Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Sometimes I feel so all alone Like the prophet Jeremiah You may be the one to go To the dying and the broken With a message of hope To that church on the corner Of that forgotten little town To a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him known One willing soul. Boy, I'll tell you, that song is uh, not only phenomenal, but uh, today it is even more special because uh, I am at a conference with my good friend and uh, co-host here, Mark Clifton. How are you doing today, Mark? And I am great here in the big metropolitan city of Atlanta. Can't wait to leave the metropolitan city of Atlanta <laughs> and get back to my town where there are no stoplights. That's, well, that's where human beings should live, are in towns with no stoplights. Amen. I just and think so. The only traffic is backed up at the co-op that's, that's it that's or it. Casey's or K- Casey's that's <laughs> where we it. go well the reason I was saying that it, it, that song's extra special today is you and I number one this marks a year of the Rural Pastor Podcast because wow. we launched at this very conference in we Atlanta did. last year. Yes, we did. So we've been doing this for a year and this is where we debuted that song uh, by Chosen Road, who is leading worship again this year, yeah. and they performed that song last night. It was Listen, phenomenal. we just left a session where they led us in worship, and the deal about Chosen Road is, I mean, they're not just a band who comes to play. They know how to lead worship. They know how to, they know how to um, react to the movement of the Holy Spirit and lead worship accordingly, and That's they amazing. don't lead worship in order yeah. to showcase themselves. They do lead worship to draw us to Christ, and so... Man, I, I just, I'm so thankful for them. If you get a chance to, to go hear them in person or to have them at your church, uh, check them out at, at chosenroadmusic.com. They are, they are gifted men who love Jesus, for sure. Now, absolutely. We're, we're calling an audible. And we, we, I was planning on beginning a new series uh, for us to talk, going through um, some revival points. And we're going to push that back one week. Uh, I'm pulling a play out of the Mark Clifton playbook, calling an audible here from the stage. Uh, but just off mic, I asked him, because in that worship session was not only Chosen Road leading us in a great way, but Mark just brought a message that everybody's still sitting around buffet table plates and uh, and arguing and cussing and discussing all that kind of stuff. And yet, it was uh, an amazing moment that was so good that I just asked Mark if we could take some time and walk through 
the the message that he just gave these leaders. So uh, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. The Rural Pastor Podcast, we're here to pour into, pat on the back, and, and walk alongside all these pastors who are doing such an incredible job. And that's what this conference is about. We're with the, uh, it's called AMS Lab. It's the Associational Mission Strategist, a lot of practitioners. We're trying to really lift up these guys and the guys who lift up all of you who listen to something like this. And uh, Mark, uh, you you brought a message today, and we I just want to get into this. Uh, it, it was four points, and you, you kept saying, go home and tell your guys this. Yeah. I want to make it clear. These are not my four points. Mm-hmm. You know, it... it we want to be you want to be cautious in preaching that you do not plagiarize or and, and make it appear you're saying yeah. something that you came up with. But my goodness, guys, there are some amazing preachers through the centuries who have really unpacked God's word wonderfully. And and they would be honored if you would take their points and and share them. Just don't make them sound like they're your points. And so um these are four points that I, I'm I'm confident are from John MacArthur. Um Hey, you know, uh, frankly, I thought, well, I could take those and reword them, you know, but n- I'm not going to do that. He, he, reworded, he worded them very well. The only thing in that, really, in that sermon probably that is his are those four points. And then I, I take those four points, and then I bring all of my personality, my experiences, my context sure. to those four points. So if, as you're listening to this, this would be a, a really, I think, a really good way to look at this particular text and share it with your people. I think these four points are great. They're sort of... They're sort of um, uh, trellises on which you can build a lot of truth on these four points. So if you're a leader or a leader of leaders, I, I really wanted to just reproduce this. Literally, you just gave this message, what, 20 minutes ago? Yeah, I'm still sweating. So. And so I'm uh, I'm asking you to relive it again uh, as, as we are holed away uh, All right. recording this. So let's begin. You started your passage in Matthew and uh, just kind of... Matthew 11, where John is in prison, and he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus that one question, are you the one... Or do we look for another? Mm. And and Andy, the real key part of that is, are you the one? Because you remember, not long before his arrest and placed in prison, he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and he heard God audibly speak. Only three times in the New Testament do we hear God audibly speak. John heard God audibly speak, and what God said was, this is my beloved son. Mm. And then, not too much long after that, John sent his disciples to say, did I get this right, or do I look somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I connected that to, the, to our calling Amen. in ministry. We all heard Christ call us to salvation. All of us who are in ministry heard him call us to ministry, and all of us who are serving in church heard him call us to a church. But there are always times in our life when we question that. Mm-hmm. Did I hear it right? John's not suggesting that Jesus isn't from God. I, I don't believe that for one minute. He's not suggesting, like the Pharisees, that Jesus is from Satan. But he is questioning, did I miss something? It, it, you know, is this really, am I, is there a part of the truth I'm not seeing? Do I need something else? Do, I look, do we look for another? Are you the, the promised Messiah one? I know you're special. And I think all of us, sometimes in ministry settings, we'll have those Mondays and we'll go, am I really supposed to be here? Did, right. I, did, did I hear God call me here? And, and, you know, I said a couple of days ago to some guys, a lot of times guys will say to me, you know, I think my work here is done. Um, I don't really care whether you think your work there is done or not, <laughs> you know. Uh, does, has God removed you from this place? You know, you, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you know, as you began that and you started talking about John, this is this is the guy that from the womb, 
knew Jesus. This is this is the guy that was called, uh, yeah. that, that had been looked for as the one who would prepare the way. Right. But he is still in this place where he's asking that question. You, when you began the message, you just read one verse. You said, and uh, you, you just read one verse out of Matthew, and it was the question, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And and it's, again, we, we know that he knows. We know that he has more DNA-level experience yeah. than any of us would. But he's asking the question that many of us ask, which is, something's not right, what is it? Yep. Because of what's going on in his world. And so that's where we identify. And you said there were four different ways to look at this passage, why he might have asked that. Let's yeah, there are four. First, obvious one is his circumstances. He's in prison. Uh, God called him to be the one who would prepare the way of the king. And in those days, if a king was going to come into a town, there would be a crier that would come into the community and let the community know, the king is coming, get ready, clean up the streets, get the animals out of here, uh, give him the royal treatment. The king is coming. The king didn't just, just walk in unannounced. And so John understands the incredible privilege of being the one who announces the king who's coming, Mm-mm. the Messiah, the promised one. And, and no doubt, now he's in this prison under the control of this wicked king and this wicked woman, knowing that he's probably going to lose his life, and everything in his circumstances says, you misread that. This is not where a, a crier of where a king ends up. I'm sure probably John thought he would end up in Jerusalem, as Jesus would come into Jerusalem and take over the throne of David. Or John may not have fully understood what was going to happen, but I think we can pretty much assume his circumstances pressing in on him in that jail really began to wear on him. I would imagine the first few days he was in there, he was probably very faithful in taking it very well. But one day turned into another, turned into Mm. another, and the circumstances didn't change. And I I hear it all the time when guys are serving in churches, and they say, I've been doing this for six months, I've been doing this for six years, and nothing changes. And they look at their circumstances, Mm. where they are, rather than looking at Christ who called them there. John was exactly where Jesus wanted him, Hmm. all right? And so we have to understand, and just like when Paul, when he prayed for God to remove the thorn in his flesh three times, that thorn was exactly where Jesus wanted it. Hmm. And just because you're uncomfortable in your situation doesn't mean God doesn't want you there. Your circumstances may be absolutely where God wants you, because he wants to edify you, plus it's just where he wants you right now, and you just have to, and so it's Always tough not to look at our circumstances. And we always pray that prayer in ministry. God, whatever you want, however you want, I'm willing to do. And and we mean that, but we're always leaning towards that great blessing. Right. Right. That something you know, good's we, gonna we, happen. We pray that our reprobate child will come back. Yeah. We pray that our, our loved one's cancer will be healed. We pray that uh, those those difficult people in our church will will, will soften up and, and get their hearts right. Um, we pray that our finances will, will straighten out. What happens when, those, when none of those things happen? Mm-hmm. And Henry Blackaby used to say, when you pray and ask God to do something and it doesn't happen, what you do next really determines what you believe about God. And that's a powerful statement. Yes, it is. Because in, in John's circumstances, what he did next, short of sowed, he didn't really didn't know. He was asking. Yeah. He didn't say, I don't believe, but he's asking, and do I, do I look for another? And I, I, that whole thing, is there something I'm missing? Is there another way out? Do I look for another? And I, again... I, I, God wants. I, I know sometimes God moves us from ministry to ministry. I've gone. I've gone from one church to another church. That happens sometimes, but I think. I, I think many times, if we would stay with it and realize I'm exactly where God wants me to be, mm. 
and not look at our circumstances, but look at Jesus. The God that was with John in the womb, the God that was with John in the desert, the God that was ba- helping him baptize the mess, the God that was there and descended when, when he baptized Jesus, it's all the same as the God that was with him in prison. Exactly. And, and the circumstances change, but the God with him never right. changes. Exactly. Second point. What's the second thing we're well, looking at? Well, the second point was that he had um, unrealized expectations. Um, he, he he didn't know exactly what was going to happen, I'm sure. I mean, he just knew he was one that was going to prepare the way of the king. Jesus was the promised Messiah. He, at that point, God audibly said, this is my beloved son. I mean, if the son of God, if the if God in the form of a human being is walking on the earth and you are his biological cousin and you are the, the, <laughs> the one called prepare the way, your expectations, you may say, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm sure you don't expect to end up in a prison cell where he doesn't, doesn't even come and see you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but you can study it. There's a reason he, Christ didn't go anywhere near Herod until the end, and Herod wanted to know about Christ, and Christ said, I'm not going to go see that fox. Mm-hmm. And then when Herod stands and Jesus stands in front of Herod, Herod, Jesus doesn't talk to him. There's a whole other sermon there. Right, right. So, so, so Jesus does not talk to Herod. So Jesus doesn't go, he doesn't go visit John in prison. He doesn't, he doesn't send him a care package or anything like that, right? He just doesn't. And so these are unrealized expectations. This is not what I expected my ministry to be. And so what happens is a guy will go to a church, and a young man perhaps, and, and the church will say, uh, you know, he'll call me and say, when I went, they told me they were some older people, and the church was dying, and they needed to change, and they wanted a young person, they were going to follow my leadership. And so, you know, I, I came in here, and I accidentally took the Christian flag off of the stage and forgot to put it back, and they actually had a deacon's oh. meeting while I was out of town, and, you know, they really wonder if I even believe in Jesus anymore. I live that one, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't expect this. You know, there's yeah. no honeymoon, and they're, they're, they're looking at my wife with the stink eye because our kids don't behave like they think they ought to behave and, and, in church, and, and my wife isn't happy here now, and, you know, this isn't what I expected. Well, I want to I tell you, ministry's never what we expect it to be. And, um, but it's, but it's what, it's what it should be at that moment. And, Mm. um, again, it, it was unrealized expectations. We have expectations that we think this is how it's going to end up. This is what, and what, the way Paul dealt with that was to say, I see through a glass dimly. Mm -hmm. Here's Paul five times beaten with 39 lashes, but he never said, did I miss something here? Yeah. He was stoned and left for dead. That means he was unconscious in a coma. And look, I don't know what clothes he had on him, but if he had anything worth anything, they took him because they would not let they wouldn't let clothes. They were worth something. There was no waste. They wouldn't yeah. let clothes and shoes go to waste. So he may have been completely naked. And they would have thrown him out on the, on the outskirts of town with other dead bodies. And what does he do? He wakes up, he doesn't even take a day off. He doesn't wake up and go, Well, I missed something here. He goes right back in and keeps preaching. Hmm. I mean, Paul and in this kind of situation, Paul didn't have unrealized expectations because Paul always knew, I am the chief among sinners. Mm. Paul always remembered what he was before Christ found him. We only have unrealized expectations when we believe we're entitled to something more than what we've already received, which is salvation. We all are entitled to nothing but to be an object of God's wrath for all eternity. That's right. That's but right. we are absolutely object of his affection. We are his son and child adopted by him. We have a home made just for us. The Holy Spirit will never leave us or forsake us. No matter how deep your pit, God's grace is deeper still. 
So if you don't have the best church in the world, or if you don't have the best health in the world, or if you don't have the best financial standing in the world, or if, and, and sometimes people will say things like, you know, you ought to be in a church where people respect you more, where they listen to you more. You're such a gifted leader. You need to be where people follow you more. And I, I would just say, Andy, that if you ever think you deserve a better church than the one you have, I don't think the Holy Spirit put that thought in your head. And so unrealized expectations is when we look at what we think the outcome should be, but we're not looking and, and being willing to, to do whatever Christ. You know, the expectations of the crowds that follow Jesus, he's going to feed us every day. He's going to heal all of our diseases. So the crowds kept growing and growing and growing until Jesus turned and said, I'm not going to do that all the time. You want to follow me? Among other things, you're going to take up your cross. Again, your cross is not your bad transmission or your mother-in-law. Wait, wait, pause on that. Yeah. Give yourself some time there. I know you're rushing through this, but, okay. but this is good. I, okay. need you to say. I hear that all the time. Oh, it's not a cross I got to bear. That, that's, that's stupid. That's not what that means. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you know, that's just my, I got a bad boss. Well, that's just the cross you have to bear. Stop it. <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Don't do that. Do you realize in the first century, the one thing people wanted to avoid more than anything else, the one thing that brought absolute terror in their life was a cross. That's right. They were out on the road. They would leave those corpses hanging there for days. They would be eaten by birds. They would rot and fall off those. It was, it was the most humiliating death. It was the most painful death. You avoided a cross. And Jesus says, you want to follow me? You don't just take it up once. Daily, you've got to be willing to die to yourself. You've got to be willing to suffer whatever needs to be suffered. And so the crowds went, I want none of that. Mm. And they all left, and Jesus turned to the disciples. He said, are you going to leave? And I think in my paraphrase, Peter said, we'd go if there was somewhere else to go. <laughs> and so I, I, really, I really think Absolutely. unrealized expectations. We, we, Jesus tells us this is going to be a hard road. Mm. It's not going to be easy. Now, I'll get to the fourth point takes care of all of that. But in the immediate setting right now, our, expe- our expectations should not be an easy path without any trouble. Amen. It should be just the opposite. Well, as we get ready to go into the third point, um, the, the, that second point, you listed a lot of things. And thinking about our guys, these rural pastors, these uh, these guys placing uh, placed in normative sized churches, um, a lot of those things that you heard that church members say. Um, it makes me think we need to do a whole series on lies churches tell, but don't know their lies. No, I think that's true. I, I don't really th- yeah, let's, let's do that. Because I don't think they're lying. They just don't know the cost of change. Yeah. I, that's they, it. they want the intended they, they, outcome. Right. They that's just right. don't want the path. That yeah, it it's just like a guy like, you know, I'm going to a, 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 my doctor now to try to lose weight again, and, and I'm on this plan and all that stuff. And it, it, it's a struggle. And, you know, so what am I going to say? Of course I want to lose weight. Oh, you're ready to change. Yeah, I'm ready to change. No, no. You know, yeah, I'm ready to change, but I don't want to pay the cost of change. I read a stat that 90% of people who have a heart attack make zero changes after yep. their surgery. 90% don't do a thing different. And so and that's what that is. And and just to put a stamp on what you're saying here, that we often struggle in ministry because we have unrealized expectations. Well, when a church member says the same thing, they go, no, we want a young pastor, but they don't want to do anything. They have unrealized expectations. Have unrealized it's the same thing yeah, as really we do. do. Okay, third. Well, the, the third one is, um, let's see. <laughs> I got them out of order, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, you got to go back to two. I got I to gotta go, gotta go back to two, uh, which was, uh, help me with it. Throw it to me, boss. Oh, uh, man. We've all I've done that. I've got my Bible open. I don't have my notes uh, Okay, I can do it again. Are you ready? Hey, we're all human. We're all, we all, it, I don't have my Bible open either. It's uh he uh, the circumstances. Oh, uh, yeah, I got it. Never mind, I got it. I got it. I got it. It is 
worldly influences. That's it. Now, That's it. again, this is an assumption. This part's an assumption on our, my part, definitely. Um, but the way John would have heard about Jesus and what was going on was through his disciples who would come and talk to him. It is not at all, I think, out of, out of reason to think that some of John's disciples would have asked John, why doesn't Jesus come and take you out of this prison? If, mm-hmm. if he will heal Gentiles, if he will walk into a centurion's house, if he will talk to an adulterous uh, Samaritan woman, you're his cousin, he doesn't even come here, mm-hmm. you're in this prison, you know, why is that? And so he's listening probably to some outside worldly influences. Yeah. And so what happens in our life and in our, in our ministry is we listen to other voices other than the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. We listen to our own sense of purpose and pride. We listen to people, like I said a moment ago, who say we ought to be in a better place than this. And, and even the world looks at us and says, you know, if, if your God is as powerful as is, why is your church dying? If your God is powerful, why, why are there earthquakes? Why are there wars? If God can do anything, why do children get sick? Mm. Why do children get leukemia if God can do anything? We face that all the time, these worldly influences say God should behave in a certain way, and, and yet he doesn't. So what are you going to do about that? And so, again, the worldly influences, we listen to the outside world, and, and we... I remember, again, Henry Blackaby used to always say, man, do never, 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 never listen to the wisdom of men. Remember when Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi, and he said, who do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. And the disciples are usually pretty quiet when Jesus asks questions, all except for Peter. But this time, they just, man, they just answer quickly. Off. Hey, John the Baptist, Elijah, the, the prophets. I mean, because why? Because they've heard that. And this is what Blackaby says. The world is never at a loss for an opinion on who Jesus is. But the world is never right. And so the, the world will always have an opinion on who you are, what ministry means, how you should behave as a pastor, how you should behave as a Christian, how your church should be treating you. If you follow Christ and you're his pastor, this ought to be happening to you. That's all from the world. And if we're not careful, those worldly... And sometimes the worldly influences can come from our parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wish that church would treat you better. They need to treat you and your wife better. And, mm-hmm. man, your dad and I are worried about... And that's okay to worry about them. But sometimes it's like, maybe, maybe you need to go somewhere else where they'll care for you more. Right. Uh, people who really care about us. And, and again, I, I know John's disciples cared about him. So they're saying, why doesn't Jesus come and help you in this? And again, you might even have some friends and other people who say, well, man, I don't know why your church is so hard on you. I wonder why God doesn't, doesn't do something in that. And I really believe, if we're not careful, we'll be listening not to the Holy Spirit, but to those outside worldly influences. And as you were speaking that earlier, and even now, I, I'm hearing one thing. Those, when you hear those worldly whispers, those things that cause you to, to believe stuff, that's, it's always got a little bit of truth in it, right? Absolutely. But the one thing that's amazing to me is that it's, it's not always external whispers. The world can whisper if you've given any kind of footing, if there's any kind of sin crouching at your door, that that sometimes you can hear those whispers, and they're not coming from anywhere except inside. That's a very good point. They come from our, Satan uses them, and it talks to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, uh, three incredible thoughts. Now this fourth one, the fourth I, one. I, is... I'll be straight up. I, I, I'm I'm just jittery in my seat. <laughs> this is so good, and, and I need you to play through the all the connections that you all played right. before. All right. The fourth one is the real reason, and really the fourth one covers all the other three. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean that's the whole point. That's right. You know, circumstances, worldly influences, income in. Uh, Um, unrealized expectations. The fourth one covers everything, which is an incomplete revelation. (laughs) He doesn't see the end. If he saw the end, he would be worshiping in prison. He would be glorifying God, which, which actually Paul did. I think there were times that Paul 
really did more understand at that point, you know, in, in many ways. But, but John, at this point, he's not worshiping in prison. He's not singing at midnight because he has an incomplete revelation. He doesn't see, he can't see, or he's not seeing how this is all going to end up. And again, as a pastor in a rural church or a small church where you're struggling, you think you're not making any difference, and you're just looking at the immediate results today, what you have to realize is the Bible says his word never goes out and comes back void, and never means never. So if you're truly preparing a Bible study, if you're truly sharing the gospel, if you're truly preaching a sermon, whatever you're doing, if you're praying with a sick person, if you're making a visit to a home, if you're doing it in obedience to Christ and in a love for him— it, it, it matters. It, it, it may not look like, those people may never come to church. Uh, some of those six or eight people on Wednesday night, they may never lighten up and, and get, get anointed by, by the movement of God. They may sit there like a bunch of lumps on a log. But that doesn't, what matters is that you're being faithful with God's word. And in some way, when you get to heaven, you're going to look back and say, God used every sermon, every Bible study, every visit, every activity of ministry I did for him with the right heart and the right attitude. He used it for his glory and for the the purpose of of salvation of those who would be saved, and you played an important part in it. You just can't see it now because you live in an incomplete revelation. And uh, and so that's exactly what that means, um, for sure. Yeah. And you made a statement before, if I can can bait you into this, two things. Number one, um, if you could see from heaven's perspective what you're doing right now, what would that mean to you? Yeah. Oh, I, I think my friend, uh, my, 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 not a close friend, I don't mean that, but I know him, my acquaintance and I respect dearly, Andy, Andy Davis at First Baptist Durham, he, he would say that uh, if God would ever pull back the curtain of heaven and show you the real value of your ministry, you might become so prideful that you would no longer be of use. Oh, what I, a word. I, I think that's an amazing word. What a that word. One of the reasons we can't see it is because it, pride would kill us. I mean, pride will destroy us. Mm. And you know how easy we can get prideful. Man, we get a, we have a high attendance on and we think we're the reincarnation of, of a Billy Graham or something. You know, we get all full of ourselves. So I, I think in many ways God he's keeps protecting it. He's us. He's protecting us. Yeah. The, the last part of this is you made a connection to John's question and Jesus' answer out of Isaiah. Yeah. And I'd like just walk us through that. Yeah, so the way Jesus answered him, he said, tell, go on and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And, uh, and, so they, and, and so that's from Isaiah 35. And believe me, John knew Isaiah 35 by heart. So when, when uh, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 35, if you'll go there and look at it, uh, it, it says, don't be anxious. Your God is coming. Uh, everything's going to be great. He's going to be victorious. And then he says, it says right in there. You want to read it? You have it there? Yep. Okay, go ahead and read it. Uh, I believe it's Isaiah 35, 4. Mm-hmm. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And yeah. then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Yeah, so... I mean, Jesus said, go back and tell... And, and you know when John heard that, he wept. Yeah. You know he did. Because he knew what Jesus was he saying. Knew, and, but Jesus added two things to that list. First, he said, the dead are raised. Only God can raise the dead. Amen and it's amen. the resurrection that changes everything in your life, in my life, in your ministry, in my ministry. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changes everything. The dead are raised. And then he says, and the gospel is preached. And Spurgeon says this. I love it. I, 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 I love it. Spurgeon said, see, pre- raising the dead, 
pa- preaching the gospel is as powerful as raising the dead. He put them together. <laughs> okay. he, he's a, he's a pastor. Hear he's, this. He says. Hear this. He said the dead are raised and the gospel is preached. He put the gospel being preached. I don't know that there's any order, but but it's kind of be like, well, why didn't he say the gospel's preached and then the dead are raised? It's like the dead are raised are the greatest. And Spurgeon would say, no, it's great, but it's just as great as preaching the gospel. So I, that, that was really cool, too. So I'm sure at that point John understood not only is he the fulfillment, he's beyond what Isaiah could have hoped. The dead are even being raised, and the gospel is being preached. Mm. And so what's our, what's our solution for discouragement and depression and disappointment? Not to look at our circumstances, not to listen to worldly influences, not to trust in our incomplete revelation, or, or not to have unrealized expectations, but to look to the risen Christ. It's just that simple. And when Jesus gave him that answer, that just gave me goosebumps when you said that an hour ago, that, that, uh, that if, if, if John knew that passage, and you know he did, that the word right above it was, don't be afraid. Right. D- don't you be anxious. Exactly. Your God will save you. Right. But right now, here's what's happening. And what you have done, you, you, you haven't seen it. You're in prison right now, but your ministry has raised the dead. That's right. <sighs> Pretty cool. If we were a video, I would drop the mic right now. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for reliving that. You've, you've had to preach the same message now twice in the last 90 minutes, and so I appreciate you sharing that. There was just no way. As we were sitting there, I knew we were going to record, and I thought, we have got to capture this. There has to be a wider audience to hear this. I hope you're encouraged by this. I'm going to try and reproduce his four points in our uh, notes so that you can look at that in a few scriptures. MacArthur's four points. Well, yes, yes. Uh, your message uh, built on the foundation of the, those I just four took, points. I took John and just improved it. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to aim I know he's you. listening. So, John, buddy, thanks a lot, man. I, I appreciate it. Very, very little chance of that. But <laughs> All right. Many blessings to each and every one of you. We are so thankful that you have joined us here. It is a blessing to have you as a part of this. And remember, if you're in rural ministry, we got your back and we love you. Thanks for joining us here at the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah You may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town. To a room of empty pews where his love can still be found. You may never know of all the seeds you've sown. But it just takes one willing soul to make him known. Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor. And you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at the RuralPastorPodcast.com.